0: so this, um, I would say, layer of experience that I I often find myself exploring and using as a foundation uh, subtle body different names, subtle body, energy body or the inner body um, it's, it's, so it can sound kind of esoteric, but it's actually it's just normal <laughs> part of life <coughs> And it's, uh, our emotions arise from that, whenever that's disturbed, we have an emotional effect. Whenever something strikes the heart, that subtle body gets some sort of shimmer or effect. And you can recognize this, anything that interests you, you light up, disappoints you, you feel yourself sink. You can find yourself feeling burdened and heavy with an idea, it actually has an effect on your subtle body. You think a lot, you find your, your, your head draws all the energy from the rest of your body. <laughs> so the mind and the body are very much interconnected in, at this level. This is useful because often we find ourselves very much trying to correct the mind with the mind. get a lot of censorship and uh, internal tangle of fighting with yourself. The mind fighting with itself or trying to stop itself feeling something or feeling embarrassed by what its emotions are doing. <laughs> and trying to change them. Or apologise for them, or or blame them on somebody, or blame them on yourself. And you think, yeah, this is all, you know, you can do it, but it doesn't really get to the point of how do you how do you manage this level of experience where we're affected? We should be affected, shouldn't we? We're not numb, we're not potatoes, so we should be affected, and we should have to be responsive. But when is the point when that becomes unmanageable? We're just so flooded. That we're just chaotic um, or there's so much happening to us that the system just can't process it all it's like it's like having 50 people using the same telephone <laughs> system just completely noisy uh, and this kind of happens for people that's why many people live in a, in a blur of thoughts rushing around thoughts and emotions because the system hasn't been able to discharge also through not fully understanding and managing that inner body we we are open to the wrong things we're just open to sense contact and mental impressions but we're not open to subtler qualities we call spiritual qualities such as loving-kindness, patience, um, you know, resolution, which also arise in that area. Until they do arise in that area, they're just ideas. You can have plenty of spiritual ideas and enjoy them, but until they've landed in the body, they're just ideas. And one can get deluded because we have the ideas we haven't actually integrated them this is the place where we integrate the fruits of good karma we integrate the spiritual faculties that protect us from bad karma and we begin to find a way to release the effects and the um, activations of negative karma this all happens at this level. It's at this level where the button gets pushed that causes to jump one way or another. Yeah. It's this level where the we get we, we also unplug the button and don't jump. And that's not just about some negative experience because when we don't jump, we find out our awareness widens into something very replenishing, fruitful, and serene so the deactivated state is not numb the unconditioned state is not numb it's just not occupied (laughs) by formations, by activations, ideas, thoughts, meanings, memories, karma Karmic impressions, self identity issues. It's not. It's not marked with any of those. It's unrestricted. Now, the Buddha called this. He referred to mindful of the body in, internally and externally. Yeah, this is kind of quite a prosaic statement but you think well what does that actually mean externally mindful of the body internally and externally and quite commonly people understand external body is other people's bodies internal body is my body and that's worth considering but mindful of other people's bodies uh, my, why, didn't, why didn't he say mindful of other people's bodies if that's what he meant? <laughs> it's not difficult to say. Why, if he meant that, why didn't he say it? Why did he say mindful of the body externally? Mindful of the body internally, if he meant mindful of your own body, why not say that? It's not a complicated expression, we can all understand it. Yeah. and then in that analysis we also have mindfulness of feeling internally and externally and if you translate that as mindful of other people's feelings what they're feeling that's very speculative can you really know can you track the feelings what's happening in their legs can you be mindful of what's happening in their bodies I don't think so but you can be mindful of the sensations that, that impinge upon your body from outside. And you can be mindful of impressions that arise within the body when it feels tense or unbalanced or vibrant or stagnant. You can feel that. Wouldn't that be one way of understanding internal? that you could find useful productive pertinent because although even though it could be mindful of somebody else's feeling so what? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or mindful of somebody else's body you know, well, so what? But internally, externally, and then internally and externally together, you find the external, if you bring your attention to the skin boundary as you walk, walking meditation is great for this because you have to. Standing also encourages getting the external quality there. Sitting, you should do, but you can easily drift we say something like walking meditation, or just walking. You've got to be aware of the sensations in your feet, the sensations in your shoulders, the whole body as a sentient thing moving through territory, external territory. Internally, you can feel the sense of dullness or stagnation or brightness or energy, whatever it is. And the external body will help to moderate, contain... The internal energy just stay within this boundary you yeah? know use that external body like a fence so that's out there i can sense the skin I, and that everything else is outside inside this and just holding that container and the whole container from your head to your feet it's like holding a bucket of water steady and the mud begins to filter out begins to settle by itself and that's an image the Buddha played upon when he described mindfulness so imagine walking with a basin full of oil on top of your head right? you've got to be mindful externally and internally get the balance but don't lose contact with your head of the basin on the head you're also mindful externally because there's people around you and there's a girl dancing in front of you so you're mindful of knowing there's that there and you, you don't go there Okay, you notice that, you stay within your own boundary yeah. and that's a really lovely way to consider cultivating this internal-external together and I would suggest it's absolutely necessary and pertinent for daily life because you're moving daily life you're moving through these fields of traffic noise screens computers people this that it's all jumping at you hold your boundary clearly as you walk move around and sense what's happening internally what's happening internally is something so we begin to recognize something is stimulated by a sight let its energy jump up Okay. hold the boundary of your body take your breathing and begin to acknowledge that experience Uh, also none of it is necessarily bad but is it compulsive you know it's not bad to walk through a a shopping arcade and see something you like in the window sure something oh that's interesting that's not bad but when you go through there compulsively stuck in everything that happens in shop windows you're (laughs) going to be in trouble (laughs) so just being able to filter acknowledge is that jumping is that useful if it's not useful can i also Experience my internal body, and then what's it, jumped out through the eyes or the face is lit up, and draw my energy back down again into the whole body. And you release that impression, not necessary. This is where you learn how things affect you, an ordinary experience. Now, of course. <laughs> Uh, we have quite a complex territory we move through. It's not just purely the territory of sensory fields on this level. It's not just, you know, car parks and rooms and shopping arcades and offices, but we move through the internal territory of our memories, our obligations, our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our excitement, our whatever internal territory that we're trying to also move through and this is where you know the inner the energy body is <laughs> where all this stuff happens if it doesn't happen there it doesn't happen you know memories don't happen in your head memories don't happen just out of thin air you know, the ones that come to you unbidden to just rise up, they're coming from these traces and residues in your body's energy system. There's still that sense of regret or uncertainty or joy, jumping up, something you're really interested in, it jumps up, it's still there. And if it's an unpleasant memory, as unfortunately many of the, the stuff that jumps up can be, Difficult sense of loss, unhappiness of one kind or another. <laughs> there we are, trying to get rid of it. Still got that memory after all these years. How do you get rid of it? How do you clear it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the, the logic of Dhamma practice is um, you don't cut it off, you don't cut off emotions. If you cut off the emotions, you're just putting a knife through your heart. Even if they're difficult emotions, you don't cut them off. You don't act upon them, but you don't cut them off. What you do, the emotional energy of a memory, feel it stirring, yeah, pulsing, moving. Yeah perhaps even activating parts of your throat, maybe, coming, maybe causing tears to come through your eyes or something like that, or you feel yourself tightening up because you're having a difficult time. And then use the return to put topic to one side, focus on the energy, the mood, open to the mood, what is the mood of regret, anxiety need it doesn't need a hammer or a knife it needs goodwill yeah. what does the tension or the agitation in your body need it needs the presence of the entire body because these difficult places difficult memories difficult moods, difficult emotions they're like um, they're like naughty children and they run off and make a, make a nuisance and then you can kind of go around and run after them and scold them so they, they hide somewhere and then when your back's turned they run out again yeah. and you can keep doing that for years because they don't grow up <laughs> for what they really need is a big place that says welcome home. <laughs> you can come and sit here. Welcome home. Welcome home. Yeah. Welcome home, painful memory. Yeah, welcome, painful memory. Yeah. Because the very quality of welcome. <laughs> Remember everything you incline towards, everything intention you have, every attitude you have sustained attitude has an effect and it has an effect on your body's energy system so if you keep resonating the quality of welcome what happens is your body's energy system will begin to open unfold and then this tight knot of ill will starts to dissolve this is where we kind of clear um, you could call it negative karma or the karmic level I call it the karmic level because it's it's the place we act from it's the place where our habits jump up from it's the place where our reflexes jump up from it's, it's those constant memories we have that we keep referring to you know so it's the source of where our mind tends to jump, tends to return to, tends to pick over again. And you know, when you've had people been upset and there's been a quarrel and so forth, they can still be with that ten years later. And the conversation you're having suddenly goes back to that same topic. <laughs> I think, my goodness, we haven't moved beyond that in ten years. Because the chitta doesn't move in time. It moves in terms of karma. If the karmic residue is still there, it, w- it will stay there. <laughs> it's very simple. It doesn't go away because the years pass, it stays there. The skillful karma is to use this energy body as the place where you bring that healing intention. It's not to negate one's issues and quarrels and feeling upset. Not to say shut up. It's not to neutralise it. It's to say hear it and feel it in the body. And you do this, it will it will lose its power. It will lose its grip. It will become something you can remember if you choose to. You can, see, you can definitely remember it if you wish to. But it doesn't jump up on you. It's not something you find yourself going back to and rehearsing and remembering. You clear the karmic level. Now when we talk about karma, um, I really recommend that you look at it much more in terms of the karma that you do, the action that you do now. There is a result of action which is also called karma or old karma or vipaka karma. And this is true, acts we do now have consequences. And they again will reside (laughs) in your body's energy system. And if you keep following certain obsessive currents, certain obsessive trends, certain negative patterns, certain addictive patterns, they will build. And you'll become shaped by them. Your attitudes, your trajectories, your relationships, your life will be shaped by... What you can, the kind of messages and the emotional tendencies and the karmic actions that you, you use as your basis. You know, people have got a lot of anger. They haven't resolved the anger. They haven't let go of things that have hurt them. The things have been terrible, it's true. They have been hurt, that's true. They've every the right to feel angry. But the unresolved anger corrodes their nervous energies, so their life becomes one of being grumpy, ill will, irritable, don't want to be with people, don't trust people. They're stuck in it. Now, the addition I'd like to make is that this level is not just because of what you've done. It's because also... What has been laid down in you by other people's actions? As the Buddha says, either through one's own volition or through the volition of others, one acquires an unwholesome kaya-sankara. Kaya-sankara is this body energy. Either through one's own volition or through the volition of others, you acquire an unwholesome jitta-sankara, an unwholesome mental emotional tendency so it's not just it's all your fault it's all your fault is a useless expression it doesn't do anybody any good it doesn't lead out there's no point in using expressions about yourself that don't lead to the end of suffering why bother we've all made mistakes We'll probably make some more <laughs> in the future, but if you can, uh, you know, keep accumulating it and not learning from it, then you're not really developing or, or using this practice to find what's fruitful. So, whose fault it is, and who to blame? doesn't really do you much good. Because it hasn't resolved the negativity. You may very well be justified. You know, people have some terrible experiences other people have done to them. And it is indeed uh, quite distressing to see how much work people have to do to clear impressions that have been landed on them through other people, through being bullied, abused and so forth. It's sorrowful, but the realism of it is, it's in your body now. (laughs) And you've got to deal with it. And you can. And in fact, it encourages, it it urges you, says, please, let's get through this, this painful memory. You cannot just Push it down. Gets get through it. Now we can, you know, we can say we can be aware of that. Of course, awareness is fundamental resource and fundamental openness, receptivity that we all endowed with. And this can be, um, you know, a, a source of great serenity. But awareness, I would suggest, has to do some work, or has to. Integrate into releasing these karmic knots so they're not just something we're aware of, and you know, say, Okay, that's the way it is. We're aware of it, and we also say, There's something unnecessary in this, you don't have to carry this any longer. And if there's a release from that, there will be for your benefit emotionally, spiritually, in terms of your relationships and in terms of your lifestyle if you clear these then you're free of the burden of the past you're free of the pressure of what you carry you're free of the identity that gets created around these karmic obstructions and then you are alive Really, you're, free, you're alive. You're not just living, getting a living, <laughs> making a living. You are alive. And the, the, the awareness and attention is available to bring joy to yourself, compassion to others, and so forth. This is a very fruitful life. This is the level at which I'm encouraging attention and remembering it. Everybody has this. You see, in, in if you look in the Asian traditions, you know you've got two major fields of Asian tradition: the Indian. You've got the prana, the the the, the, you know, the, the um, chakras, and the nadis, and this, they all developed a whole technology around these this subtle body, auras and chakras, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> Chinese, you've got meridians energy channels, meridians with different names, different points on the, on the meridian chart yep, that's it um, in Buddhism they developed it very much in the uh, Vajrayana traditions, Tantric, but also in the, some aspects of forest Theravada traditions also developed this work on the inner, inner body visualizations, mantras, uh, yantras, uh, chanting because chanting also affects the energy body. So you begin to impart the resonances and the meanings of chanting onto your energy body. <laughs> because this replenishes it. This is the source from which we act. This is the, 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 this is the source, this is the juice, this is the battery, this is the energy pack that informs everything we do. How much that is being used to wash the clothes, do the laundry, fix the emails, da 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 How much is doing that? Don't you think that in doing that, which is not bad behaviour, you're going to get drained? Of course you are. How do you top up again? How do you replenish? Sleep? Yeah, but it's not really enough. Chanting? meditation, mm. anything that turns towards this energy body with bright karma, calming attitudes, karmic chanting that's got bright karma in it, embodiment that's got bright karma in it, meditation that's got bright karma in it, will refresh and replenish its energy body. And if it becomes strong, you'll become less infected with the craziness of the world around you. You know, less prone. When you look at the example of the Buddha, you know, people tried to kill him seven times. His own cousin tried to kill him. The Buddha did not do ill will, the the energy of ill will had been eliminated, that hindrance had been completely wiped out. cleaned afflictive stuff cleaned out even you know in the face of such uh, uh, um, threatening circumstances didn't have fear that one finished didn't have regret instead the resources of the boundless compassion and clarity of the awakened mind unfolded unrestricted this is a guidance this is a guiding light for our practice and every time when we acknowledge the jump, the surge the tightness, the constriction or the openness and the joyfulness and the expansion of this energy body we're looking at the right territory it's up for us to use our wisdom to discern in this very body is the path into the world and the path out of the world while we have this body while we have this inheritance let's use it wisely so i this for your reflection today